So we've now started a sermon series on uh, the book of, of Philippians, Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. And I tried to make the case last Sunday in setting up this series that the past year and a half has been hard. It's been challenging because of the fear, the stress, the tension, the division, the uncertainty that has been uh, around pretty much everything. And so I tried to make the case of what we all need to experience in our lives at this particular uh, point is more joy. No doubt when Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians, he felt all of the same emotions that we have felt over the past 18 months. But he still made the decision to focus on joy and his desire to keep spreading the gospel message. Paul was the greatest ambassador that Christianity has ever had. Without Paul, Christianity never would have expanded into Europe. It never would have spread as far and as wide as it did. Uh, without Paul, there's a chance that the church might have been confined to a much smaller uh, geographic reason. And, and if you don't think that God can change your life completely, then think about what happened to Paul formerly known as Saul. His life was turned around on the Damascus Road and he was uh, the one persecuting the church and he became the greatest, most outspoken advocate for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now the first part of chapter two that Pharaoh read is all about humility and putting other people first. Paul says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. And then he quotes what some have called a poem, others have called a, a psalm or a hymn. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but he humbled himself, emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I'd like to begin the message this morning by asking you some questions. And you can jot down your answers to this or you can just keep them in your head today and throughout the week. The first question is this, what does it mean to live a humble life? The second question is, who is the most humble person that you know, and what is it that makes them that way? Third, do you think that human beings in general are more selfish or more selfless? Fourth, what does it mean to have the same mind as Christ? Is that possible for us as humans? And my final question to begin is, are you willing to admit when you're wrong and apologize when you do something that you regret? Today is Halloween, in case you didn't know. <laughs> and Halloween originated with the ancient Celtic festival where people would light bonfires and wear costumes and try to ward off ghosts. And, and then in the 8th century, Pope Gregory III designated November the 1st as a day to honor the saints, All Saints Day. 
And so the evening before became known as All Hallows' Eve, later called Halloween. And Halloween has evolved over the years with jack-o'-lanterns, with festivals, with costumes, with candy, with trick-or-treating. And today is certainly one of those days that the kids love and that I think the adults also love because it brings all of us joy. It makes us smile. It makes us happy. On Halloween, many of us will will dress up, we'll put on masks or costumes to be something that we're not. Today, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, which is something that I am, a Cowboys fan and a Titans fan. But this brings us laughter and joy. But here's the reality. We often pretend to be something that we're not every single day, hoping that others won't see through our facade. We live in a superficial world where people have mastered putting up fronts. Everything is judged on the surface. We, we wear masks of all kinds. There's often a lack of depth. People who are hurting put a smile on their face and pretend that everything is fine. People who are scared to death act like they are courageous and they pretend that they are brave. People who have lost their job or their savings continue to live their same lifestyle so that others won't catch on to the fact that their bank accounts have dwindled and they are just trying to make ends meet and and keep up. People whose marriages are struggling act happy and pretend like everything is fine when in actuality they might cry themselves to sleep at night because their spouse never comes home or they don't sleep in the same room. Many aren't true to themselves because they're too busy living out somebody else's expectations, their parents or a friend. Uh, They want to please their spouse or their in-laws or their children uh, or their so-called friends. And so they spend all of their time doing things that they think will please other people rather than being honest and true about who they really are, being authentic. And why do we do these things? We do these things because we feel like society expects us to be somebody that we're not. And we're scared of being discovered. We're scared that others might discover who we really are and and then decide that they want nothing to do with us. We're scared that if we let down our guard, then others may not let down their guard and, and we'll look like the only person who has problems or issues. But we all have problems. We all have shortcomings. We all have character flaws. We all do and say things that we regret or didn't mean. We all have emotions that we wish we didn't have. Worry and jealousy and lust and anger, bitterness and envy, resentment and fear. We all overreact to certain situations. We say things about people that we shouldn't, and then if it comes back to us, we might deny it. We put on fronts. We put on smiles. We pretend to to live a problem-free life, but nobody has a problem-free life. And there's something else that, that has happened in our culture uh, over the past decade, really a little bit more than that, that's made humility and authenticity even more difficult. And I'm talking about social media. We have platforms to brand and promote ourselves. We can put out an image like life is grand and perfect, but nobody lives that way, right? And what's most disturbing about all of this is the impact that it's having on our children. (laughs) They are addicted, but then if you look around, parents are addicted too. They don't feel like they can 
exist apart from social media. And this has added, I think, an entirely new dimension to what we call parenthood, which is an already very challenging undertaking. And we have found out in recent weeks that social media can do mental and emotional damage to young people, and the companies even know that. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs passed away about a year ago. I've recommended his book called Morality, but in that book he has a chapter that's titled Unsocial Media, where he says, children compare themselves with the profiles of their friends on social media. They see the profiles, they feel inadequate, and they forget that the profile has been carefully edited and curated. They are coming or comparing their own reality with a highly selective version of other people on the screen. And so what is happening is many of them are feeling left out, pressure, inadequate, excluded. Many psychologists now worry that we're raising a generation of narcissists who live to self-promote and who believe that the world revolves around them. And this is not a healthy thing. But it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Sachs argues that in the social media world, I'm the one on the stage bidding for the attention while others are my audience. But morality is formed when I focus on you, not me. When I discover that you too have emotions and desires, aspirations and fears. I learn to be moral when I develop the capacity to put myself into your place. And that's a skill that I only learned by engaging with you face to face and side to side. Now, are there good parts of social media? Of course. It keeps people connected. It helps us keep up with people from college or high school uh, who live around the country or the world. But there is no doubt, at least in my mind, that at this particular point in history, the downside of social media far outweighs the upside. And the more research that comes out, the more I believe this. The more I hear about what it's doing to teenage uh, girls and boys, the more I believe this. And so I think it's up to all of us to find a healthy balance, to teach our children about the dangers. If you haven't watched that Netflix documentary called The Social Dilemma, I mentioned it last year, you should watch it. It's horrifying and astounding at the same time. All of this, I think, has made living a humble life so much more challenging because we all feel pressure to put our best selves out there and to do it often. Some of you remember a guy named Fred Craddock. I've mentioned him over the years, and Fred has this story that he tells. He kind of always tells it in the first person, but he said he would go visit his daughter and his daughter had racing dogs, greyhounds. And so he strikes up a conversation with this greyhound. And, uh, and he says, you know, are you still racing to the greyhound? No, 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 I don't race anymore. Well, well, do you miss the glitter and the excitement of the track? No, 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 the dog said, well, what's the matter? You get too old, you get hurt. No, I still had some race left in me. Well, you couldn't win. No, I won lots of trophies. Well, what was it? Bad treatment? Oh, no, they treated me royally when I was a race dog. And Fred said, then what? You you get crippled? No, no, I'm healthy. Then what? And the dog said, you know what? I quit. Quit? Yeah, that's what I said. I quit. Why'd you quit? 
The dog replied to him, well, I discovered that, that what I was chasing for all those years was, was not really a rabbit. And so I quit. All that running and running and running and running, and I was chasing a fake rabbit. I couldn't believe it. So I quit. Now, you can certainly make the case that social media and everything associated with it is like chasing one big fake rabbit. But everybody gets lured into the race. Back to Philippians. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. The prophet Micah asked, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God? Remember the story Jesus tells in Luke's gospel about the Pharisee and the tax collector? They went up to the temple to pray. The Pharisee stood by himself and said, God, I thank you. I'm not like all these other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. This guy is basically telling God how great he is. But the tax collector standing far off would not even look up to heaven. But he was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. What does it mean to live a humble life? What does it mean to humble yourself? I think life has a way of humbling us. At least it has for me. Some closing thoughts this morning on humility. The first is that quote from C.S. Lewis that I love where he defines humility by saying, it's not thinking less of yourself, but it's simply thinking of yourself less. It's hard to be humble if you're completely occupied with self. Paul says, regard others as better than yourselves. Look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Christianity is about others and serving the needs of others, taking the focus off of self in a culture that is self-absorbed. 2013, the year of the word in the Oxford English Dictionary was selfie. Then we had the selfie stick. <laughs> it's a culture that's absorbed with self. And our culture needs C.S. Lewis's definition of humility. Secondly, I think that humility involves getting up every single day and going to battle with our pride and our ego. It's an ongoing struggle for every human being. C.S. Lewis famously said, pride is a spiritual cancer. It eats up the possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. See, for Lewis, pride was the ultimate sin that would lead to all other sins. And so every day we get up and we try to do better than the day before. Ernest Hemingway once said, the goal is not to be superior to your fellow man. The goal is to be superior to your former self, to the way you were yesterday or a week ago or a month ago or last year. Third, humility means learning to say you're sorry when you screw up. And guess what? We all screw up. Every single one of us. 
And we can never be too good to apologize or to ask for forgiveness. That's the sign of a mature person. Senator Howard Baker was Bill Haslam's political mentor. And Howard Baker was famous for saying, remember that the other guy might be right. And in this cultural environment, more people need to hear that. The other guy might be right. Lastly this morning, humility is what ultimately leads us to peace and joy in life. You know, without humility, I think it's really hard to experience these things. Because when pride gets in the way, when arrogance gets in the way, when our ego gets in the way, it usually takes us to a place that we really don't enjoy. I love Andrew Murray's definition of humility. He says this, he says, humility is perfect quietness of heart. It is for me to have no trouble never to be fretted or vexed or irritated or sore or disappointed. It is to expect nothing, to wonder at nothing that is done to me, to feel nothing done against me. It is to be at rest when nobody praises me and when I am blamed or despised. It is to have a blessed home in the Lord where I can go in and shut the door and kneel to my Father in secret and be at peace as in a deep sea of calmness when all around me is trouble. Jesus said, all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. Amen.